Welcome to the Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is a place where successful thought leaders in the SAP space come to share their leadership styles, their tips, and their unique stories on how to run successful large-scale SAP programs. Listen to the podcast to learn from their successes, their failures, their career stories, and their inspirations. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link below. Welcome to the um, Configure It Done podcast. I was just checking online here to um, make sure I got the right episodes. There's been been quite a few, but we're on season four, episode four, and we've got fantastic guests, um, Andre. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Jake. No problem. So we're going to find out a bit more about um, Andre now. So just a quick fire question round. Um, and yeah, no longer than two minutes, but we'll dive straight in. So what's your full name, Andre? My full name, Andre Burkhardt Leidenfrost. Nice. Tell us a bit you. more about the middle name. I like that. <laughs> I don't even know, but it's a very Germanic name. Yes, but my f- parents were also quite Francophile, so that's where the Andre comes from, which is really Andre, of course. Excellent. And uh, whereabouts are you from in Germany? From the northwest, hailing from, you know, just south of the North Sea from the coast and um, and a little bit east from the Dutch border. So 15 k's more to the west and I would have been a Dutchie. Mm. Nice, nice. And um, how long have you been in Australia? Oh, almost 23 years. Really? Okay. Yeah, fully naturalized. Never lose that accent, of course, but hey. <laughs> and um, tell us a bit about the, the best job you've ever had. Well, that's a very open question, right? And therefore, I give you the truthful answer, which has nothing to do with my current profession. Okay. I was actually a sluice operator or a lock operator. A smooth operator? No, no, no. Smooth? <laughs> no, not very smooth. No. <laughs> no, um, I, was, I was operating a lock on, uh, on one of the canals of where I come from. So there's basically boats going up and down the canal. And I was just, whatever, 16 years old. It was my first job. And I made some money. And I would sit, you know, on the, on the gates of the lock in the morning. And the mist would just be lifting. And I would be reading my friend's cafe guy and it was really good nice yeah i've been trying to replicate this ever since but uh, i've come close but not quite so 16 year old working what, what did that teach you about around today like today's work what hmm. it certainly did teach me in the end was that it is good to to do that kind of on the side but it's not quite good to do it as your main occupation you have to find something where you actually put a bit more in it, into it and get a bit more out of it which is certainly what happened since <laughs> okay well we'll talk a bit about that in a bit obviously sap um <laughs> but um yeah tell us a bit about your I'm a bit left field here. So your favourite drink? Because I know you're, drink. A, you're a whiskey man, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I like my Lagavulin. I like the peaty as they come. Mm-hmm. So that's basically it. Neat, no ice. Nice. Room I temperature. Like, mm. I know you like your Japanese whiskies as well, huh? Yeah, not so much. No? No, or probably lack of experience. I'm kind of more like the classic kind of guy. If it's from Scotland, i would probably try it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. Okay. So you, your bucket list thing to do? Oh God! How much time you got? How big's the storage device? Thirty seconds. Recording on? Yeah. Okay. Thirty <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Many things. I would like to climb Mount Kilimanjaro if I can do that. Certainly travel way more, especially after COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, other than that, just increase my experiences overall knowledge of what's going on trying to understand different peoples better because that always helps you so there's nothing too specific i gotta go this i gotta do that but kilimanjaro is probably one thing that's yeah that's one of those list items you seem like a keen traveler andre what's the Mm. best place that you've been oh definitely southern africa 
So that's yeah. I would go there in a blink. I would work there. I would do whatever there. Yeah. What, why that so, place? Um, Oh, I think it's a it's a combination of, of things. It's obviously reasonably exotic when you're from the wet and cold northwest of Germany originally. I mean, maybe slightly less so now that I've been in Australia for a long time. But um, yeah, it's a combination of the food, the culture, the people, their their attitudes, and then obviously you know we got great landscapes here here in Australia. But you got the game, right? You got the wildlife in Africa, which is just fabulous mm -hmm. and all these different experiences and there's nothing like you know making a coffee in the morning just just kicking the log in the in the in the bonfire and making it go burst into flame and then you know get some hot water get a coffee and then watch them giraffes walking by in the distance right it's a fabulous way to start the day and it gives me goosebumps just talking about it so that really floats my boat nice nice okay and then bring it back to more work related question and your your management style um andre you um, could describe it in one word. <laughs> one word. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with my Teutonic background, probably people will not be entirely surprised. Assertive would probably it. I don't mince words. And um, I still hope to keep it cordial and on topic, of course, at all times, but it will typically be clear. Mm -hmm. hmm. I was expecting that. I don't know. What oh, that... were you? Yeah. Okay, well, how long have we known each other for? Oh, okay, yeah, right. All right, so let's um, let's dive into the, the crux of the podcast, Andre. Mm. I'm um, I'm fascinated by your your journey. Um, how did you get into SAP initially, and yeah, what was your what's your story? Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, well, I got into SAP because really, believe it or not, I wanted to go to Australia. That was the true reason. So um, I um, I studied long and hard, including a PhD in geophysics. So I basically would call myself both a scientist and an engineer, but I thought it was maybe a little bit too specialized, a little bit too, you know, separated from people's everyday problems, if you want to call it that. And so I was looking for something else to do that was still involving, you know, problem solving skills that I think I have some and, and, and views of technology to solve the problems. And I wanted to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, there was an opportunity. My best mate from high school, he met an Australian girl. I had something to do with that, but that was, you know, we don't S talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that and um, and they and they went back to australia and and he set up a little company and i followed two years later and that's how it all started so your friend had a company within sap or no a little boutique consulting company right okay mm, yes so and we, we we ran that basically together with um was first two and then one other person for about 10 years unfortunately then it fell apart but sometimes that happens mm -hmm. right you um you may not you know your 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 threats through life may not converge forever and uh, we parted ways um but yeah that's how i got into it and that's how i got into australia and certainly um the 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 passion or whatever you want to call it for for that you know understanding the problem and then solving it using obviously technology and also other means like change management or that that passion certainly has stayed with me so i think my decision was the right decision definitely um as opposed to what my professor thought at the time he thought i was throwing it all away and he was not happy but i think he was wrong because clearly you um when, when you go to uni and especially if you do science or engineering you the main thing, it doesn't really matter what it is about. The main thing is you develop your problem-solving skills, your analytical thinking, you go, how do I break down the problem? How can I make it handleable? Everything else gets outdated so quickly these days anyway. That's mm -hmm. the only thing that really stays with you. Maybe some, some foundational you know, equipment such as learning, to, knowing to read and to write and stuff, but we learn that typically a bit sooner in school. But, but that problem-solving skills, I think that served me well sure. that I picked so, up there. So have you always, have you always had that? 
passion for solving problems or do you think you've you've found that once you've got into into SAP yeah so when my <clears throat> when I was about eight or so when my transistor radio stopped working I was crestfallen and um, I figured it out I basically went to the local electronics shop and probably annoyed the heck out of everyone but I went I got this thing it doesn't work what can I do and in the end I did identify that the actually it was an analog circuit the the amplifier circuit had blown and I um, and I removed it and I bought a new one for five Deutschmarks and it was working again. Um, the only thing I've never been able to do is take a clock apart, I've done that a lot, but put it back together and it would work. I've never been able to do that. But other than that, I typically like to understand how stuff works and if it's not right, I'll fix it. And obviously that's a tiny example, but I was pretty young then. Mm. So nowadays, hopefully the problems are a bit juicier and you know, and all that. But I think, I think it's always been there, but, but certainly there's a thing of saying you have the drive, you have the passion or tenacity to do it, but then you still need to be equipped and you need to pick up skills to become more effective and, and efficient at it. And that's certainly what happened when I was at uni. There's no doubt about that. The reason why I asked the question as well, Andre, is you've got that nature versus nurture debate, and I know obviously mm. you said you wanted to come to Australia. That's what mm -hmm. that's what got you in there. But um, yeah, around that problem solving thing, do you, do you think you've always had that, or do you think you've developed it? And yeah, coming along the lines of that nature versus nurture debate. Yeah. yeah. So I think I've always had a, a knack for figuring out how stuff works. I would ask how does the television work and mm. my parents wouldn't know they said you turn it on and then it works and I go no that's not good enough for me so same thing you have to be well not you have to be but I have always been curious about mm. my surroundings and I always wanted to figure out how stuff works so really almost cliche engineer you could say you know but uh, as I said before there's one thing of wanting to find something out and then being as best as possible equipped to be able to do so and then to move it on a bit, the next step is obviously you wanna, how can you scale yourself, mm. right? Because you can only do so much as a single person. So ideally, or at some point yet, most people, or at least I got to a point where I went, okay, I can't do all this myself. How can I scale myself? And then you get into a whole new world of interesting challenges. And that is that, how do you basically work with a group of people, align them towards a goal, and, 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 and make them all, you know, work towards um, that goal. Mm. That is certainly, um, there's certainly another challenge and it's, it's obviously not mechanical, like a clock. It's trying to, you know, relate to people and understanding what they are good at, how they work, and then try to put the jigsaw so you find a way to, to put together a team where you, where you, you know, really let let people's capabilities shine for that you need to obviously identify their capabilities and bring them out so they can really realize their potential and you know find a way to compensate for the weaknesses that we all have ideally <clears throat> because you team them up with someone else who's got compensating skills and capabilities mm. so that was certainly something that after a few years in the in the SAP business I went I got a I got to get going with that one because I can't scale myself you know I'm only one guy um, and therefore, um, as Keith Richards says, always be nice to the roadies. Not that I would, not that would I would compare my team members to roadies, as in lowly. Quite the opposite, because Keith Richards knows the roadie can make you sound really crap, mm -hmm. or can enable you. Right? Mm -hmm. But really, you're all in this together. You're a team, and it doesn't really matter who's on the stage and who's in the back. You're all in this together. 
you know and i think that's um yeah that's a really important thing as far as i'm concerned Sure, yeah. sure. So there's a lot to lot to unpack there, um, Andre. Around, mm. I want to touch on that scaling um, yourself piece. And um, when you look at those team members, what what do you what do you look for? What certain attributes do you look for? Um, and to think, do you know what that person I can you know scale myself in? And, uh, mm. you know, so I think the two most important things to start with are, <clears throat> are, are in integrity and uh, and potential. Mm-hmm. Right, someone who I don't think has integrity, and obviously you don't necessarily find that out straight away. It's it's hard. Will probably not stay true, and will not actually play the role they need to play because they flop eventually or they something doesn't work. Um, and and potential, I think, is much more important in my experience, at least, than um, than 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 realized skills. Right. So I will always prefer someone who I go and say, that's a smart person. Um, over someone who's necessarily been doing stuff and has a resume as long as their their arm, mm-hmm. demonstrating that they've done stuff that I think is not really relevant, because things always change, mm-hmm. and there is very little. I mean, some things are a bit repetitive, but but many of the problems you don't say no no no. There's always a twist to it. There's always a difference, right? You can solve. I don't know. You know, how do we design an invoice processing um, um, process? Sorry, an invoice processing process. Mm-hmm. An invoice process. Invoice process. Um, how can you how can you design that in in you know in in the best possible way? And the answer is it depends. Right. It depends on the context you're doing it in, the organization you're doing it for. It depends on the technology you have. It depends on the constraints you have. Right. So always approaching things with an open with an open mind and thinking freely and not actually just, you know, regurgitating preconceived stuff. That's, I think, really important. So integrity. So people stand up and it's clear um, that, that they will do that and, and, and that potential to actually be, be able to, to understand the situation, take it and be open and basically recombine what they know with you know all the things that they still have to figure out and being aware that there's always stuff that you have to still figure out. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to unpack as well, uh, Andre, you mentioned your management style was assertive and then you mentioned around um, scaling yourself through other, other people. Now, since I've got into leadership, obviously each person is very, very different mm-hmm. and are motivated by different things and like to be led by you know different ways. Um, what have you? How have you noticed over the over the years? So I've had previous guests on the podcast, and um, it used to be, you know, everyone used to be quite assertive and like micromanage, and um, not saying not saying the two are related, but they definitely used to. Um, yeah, be more assertive than today, um, where it's I, I see it's changed a lot. Mm. Have, have you noticed it change a, a lot as well? And um, how have you had to adapt your your stuff? Yeah, uh, so I, I think it's hmm, a very good question. I would say what has probably changed is um, is my comfort level of around not knowing everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So when 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 I was probably a bit you know a bit younger, less experienced, and all that, I I thought I have to, in detail, keep an eye on everything. Mm. And and as you, I don't know, hopefully grow and get a bit older and all that, you 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 pull that back a bit, right? It doesn't work with everyone in the team. Some people need a bit more guidance than others, but. In general, look, I mean, we're obviously working in an industry where you got lots of talent, you got lots of clever people, and you got lots of people who have, you know, who are pretty strong-headed and have and opinionated and sometimes that's good 
and sometimes maybe that's not so great. Mm -hmm. um, but but I think giving people the space, like giving them the context and going and saying, look, you know, this is kind of like where we're heading. What do you think about this? How does this all work? Do you have any questions? Does this make sense? Do you think we're on the right path? But once people are hopefully um, um, aligned, um, then then you attenuate your you know direct I don't know interaction based on their personality a bit. Mm. I can I can give you an example. Yeah, right. Which which is 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 something that I think. I love this by the way. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love the the comfort of not knowing or com you know, having yeah. that level of comfort. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So. Um, so um, many years ago, and when I was working for a leading um, um, news outlet in in, um, in Sydney, um, we I was basically coming in, taking on that new role, and taking over that team, and taking over all sorts of stuff, including um, including operational matters. And the situation was such that I'm exaggerating just slightly. Nobody was allowed to do anything without triple sign off from the support manager and all sorts of things. And, um, and on the other hand, everyone was saying, you guys don't get anything done. And I went, well, that's quite easy, right? On one hand, you have a very rigid policy that basically cripples everyone and also, in a way, implicitly accuses everyone of being non-diligent nitwits, right? <laughs> and on the other hand, oh, there's no output, right? Oh, so I basically went, why are we doing this? Ah, oh, because people can't be trusted, blah, 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 right? And that was, oh, you know, and if you had seen what happened, I went, yeah, okay, well, I may have to see it because we will not do this. But what, what I have an expectation of is that, is that people basically have an understanding of the responsibilities they bear. Um, if they are making changes to an SAP environment or otherwise, functional changes, code changes, technical changes, whatever. We are going through a software logistics process, but, but they have to basically know what the rules are. They have to basically understand how important it is that their work is actually up to quality standards. Mm -hmm. And I want this to be largely self-governed. No, you can't do that. <clears throat> Everything will stop. And I said, yeah, look, you know, we're going to obviously keep an eye on things. <clears throat> and there may, maybe in the initial phase, you occasionally hiccup. But um, in general, that's what we will do. And, and, and effectively, uh, th th there's two things to that. One is that that was the discussion I had with the support manager at the time. And I did discuss things openly with her, but eventually I gave the direction, that is what we will do. And, and, and I also said, and I need you to be on board with that because you're still the support manager, not me. But I want our policy and our approach to change. If it doesn't work, we'll, you know, we'll revisit it. But can we do that? Oh, you know, that's on you. And I said, sure, it's on me. I'm, I'm the boss. Yes, fine. I lead this team. Okay, good. Little speech, you know, to, to the team and saying exactly the same thing. And I said, look, here's the thing. Very simple. <clears throat> I expect you, and I know you are, good people. You have good intentions. You know what's right, what's wrong. You know what a good job looks like. And I would just like to say to you that I will trust you in doing a good job because we want to be a good team. A good team only comes together when each and everyone is pulling their weight, paying attention, do peer reviews. When you don't know something, raise it. Don't release anything that you're not happy with. No, that's fine. There's no blame. There's nothing here. But I, I want to tear down all these walls of everything has to be quintuple sign and explained all and all and all over again. Mm. 
yeah, did that work? Yeah, it did work, right? There were a few people, and there's always a few, you know, people who are maybe not up to scratch or maybe don't have good intentions. But in general, it worked really well. There were no major disasters, and we increased our productivity tremendously. Mm. You know, and you may have heard that that's that's a few years ago that we may have heard of things like continuous integration and all this stuff, right? When you when you look at SAP um, um, SAP SAP software logistics recommendations, right, where you basically bundle up releases and do all these things, that's something that I look at quite critically because it implies that you have this big apparatus to really do this, you know, non grassroots. Let me call it that auditing of all sorts of changes. Whereas I like to as much as possible try to empower the individual and let them shine mm. because the other thing is not only is it faster and more efficient but people take much stronger ownership of the work they do and if something goes wrong that ownership will save you mm. because there's no point in then setting on setting a new team on the task of figuring out what went wrong no 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 what did we change who owns these changes okay let's get together let's figure out what went wrong here and that's typically much quicker. Mm. So anyway, that's a very long monologue. Sorry about that, but, no, but it's a it's it's a real world example where mm. there was big resistance, but it, it definitely it was a resounding success. It worked. Yeah, I remember when uh, Amanda Oakenfield was on the podcast. She she said no one sets out in the morning saying I'm going to bring this company down or you know an agenda to bring down the project or you know no one no one does that. So. Yeah, I, I like it. You putting trust in in people and giving them empowerment. So um, yeah, that's good. I I think your you, your management philosophy is really shining through. But if you could define it, you know how how would you how would you define that, Andre? Okay. So first of all, I think it does depend a little bit. But in general, the important thing to me is that it is clear what as a group as a community whatever you want to call it we're actually aiming for there has to be that that agreement right because typically we're talking about whether whether it's actually project work or whether it's what we call BAU work the thing is that there's still there's still there's always at least two parties there's there's one party that actually makes stuff or keeps it running right which is kind of like the management mm -hmm. I would concern myself with and then on the other side you have the organization the business mm. and they want stuff right now, there may be strategic goals somewhere up here, pie in the sky stuff. There may also be stuff that is much closer to the ground um, with individuals. So in terms of management style, I think it's, it's, it's really important that people have the opportunity to understand what the higher level goals are, how they break down into what do we do on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that's delivering new stuff or whether that's just keeping, um, keeping the systems, systems operational. But it's equally important that we, we, have a, we, we acknowledge that there's two sides to the coin. As, as, as program or support people, we only exist because there is a business that needs our help, mm -hmm. right? And making that clear and also making that part of, you know, your everyday management interactions is quite important and also fostering that interaction and alignment with the business, mm. right, is, is, really, is really important. And I'd like to give another example briefly for that. I will be brief, Actually, yeah. but but it, it's 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 one of the things where I almost when when I first heard of when are you having me on, um, so we were basically looking at something and it was kind of like a um, it it was it was probably the, the tail end of stabilization of a, a of an implementation project and it was all not entirely happy and again I 
you know, I was engaged, came in to, to look at things. We were, and, and we, we were supposed to, to deliver, you know, a whole range of continuous improvements. Fair enough. And you go, yeah, that's good. And I said, okay, how do we know what the requirements are? Oh, we just wrote them down. I said, where did you get them from? Oh, we just, you know, we just looked at the system and we, and I said, well, who's raised this? Oh, yeah, someone in the business, but they don't want to talk to us. And I said, what? These are business requirements, right? So the first word in this term is business. <laughs> so you got to, no, we can't, sorry, we can't do that. That's not going to work. Show me, yeah, no, look, what about this? What? Anyway, I said, look, no, 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 we have to get together with the business. They don't want to talk to you. Who is it? I'll talk to them. I'll talk to their manager. I'll talk to whatever. So, yeah, in the end, it was hard. But in the end, first of all, we, we actually worked through the requirements with the business. And people were a little bit miffed to begin with because they said, we've been through this three times and nobody ever listens and understands us. And they're going to give us another goal, please, 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 please. <laughs> and I said, and the other thing is that, you know, we're not going to go off and, 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 just, and just, you know, not talk to you ever again until we've done it. And then we show it to you and then you say it's all wrong. No, no, no. We'll do something that we call agile it's really cool and what it actually entails is um you know we kind of like iteratively get to the end point but what we would like you as in business person um, to do in this is can you please continue to work with us we would like to show you things in the interim to see whether we're on the right path mm. can we try that oh it's gonna waste my time i said can we try this and it was a bit tricky we found two people in the business that were willing to give it a go and again from there it actually worked, they got what they needed, but it works two ways because not only did they get what they needed in terms of what they had originally said they needed, no, they got what they really needed. And more importantly, what they didn't get, they didn't get what they didn't need. Mm. Whereas when you don't talk to each other and you never see what's going on, you will waste a lot of effort on building stuff that nobody wants mm. because of misunderstandings or whatever it might be. Right. So so management style, as I said before, of course, being assertive, being clear, you know, not mincing words, but at the same time being really collaborative and open and understanding where everyone is staying and giving everyone the space to basically make the contribution that they need to make so that you form a bigger team, right? A, 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 a meta or mega team between the business and whatever your delivery and design function actually is, right? So they don't sit side by side, but they're basically amalgamated almost in one team, which also then means that whenever something goes live that, that, that works, the business will go, yeah, I did that, mm -hmm. as well as the people that implemented it, mm -hmm. right? So you're one big team and that is the ideal state. Do I always, you know, am I always nice and friendly and smiling like now? No, sometimes <laughs> everyone, you know, may be a bit tense when stuff doesn't work and all that, but the general gist of what certainly I'm trying to do and what I think works is what I just described. Excellent, well, thank you for giving us that example. Again, that's brilliant. Um, Andre, coming back to your, um, your, your career, you, you would have worked with numerous people. Um, who's been a biggest influence on your, your career and what, do you, what did you learn from them? I would like to name two, if I may. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very different. So, so I think, I think from, a, from, a, from a leadership, you know, locking onto the, identifying, locking onto the vision and then through stormy seas, pursuing a goal, 
steady but you know but 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 with tenacity and, and as much speed as possible there is a gentleman um named robert doyle who is now the um cfo of um, of domain mm-hmm. um i worked under rob um when i was at and i can as well mention it when i worked at, at fairfax that was a that was a tremendous journey for all of us, including, I'm sure, Rob would agree for him. But it was it was fantastic to work with Rob close close up because he's been, you know, go, going through these transformations before. He also has um, a, a personality that is very conducive to staying that steady course, but also not wavering. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was great to observe that. And and I hope I, you know, picked up a couple of things from that. Um, even though I'm still bowing to the master. Obviously, not nothing to do with actual solution design, and that's one of the one of the strengths of Rob, who would say, "I don't know anything about this. I can tell you what we need to achieve, but Andre, you have to tell me how we're going to do this, and you have to actually make it happen." But you know, and 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 he was very good at that as well, empowering me um, um, in in that in that regard. Now, coming to architecture we're talking a bit more about solution architecture and actually identifying what is really needed as opposed to wanted and then actually you know coming up with contemporary implementation um, approach towards that is my very good friend and former business partner Adrian Patrick Vaughan who I would like to publicly plug in this podcast and you won't cut that out um, (laughs) because he is really good the only thing is he will probably curse me for doing that because he's already pretty busy but but uh, Adrian is someone who you go and say, if you're looking at the combination of, you know, drive towards doing the right thing, sheer intelligence, um, experience, thinking outside the box, always staying up to date with things, he's your man. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely be asking him if he wants to come on the podcast mm. after. Mm. That'd be great. Um, Andre, this has been brilliant um, today. I want to ask you one more um, question. Um, around your biggest failure and what did you learn from that? So, uh, yeah, if you can get vulnerable, please. Where to start? There's so many to choose from. Um, yeah, I I think maybe maybe one thing that that was quite quite hairy was um, when I was still in this business partnership that I mentioned before. Mm. Um, we were we were. Um, subcontracting to one of the well whatever it was then big four or five something um, for a um, for a leading commercial real estate organization um, and um, it was how can I describe it it was getting increasingly clear that we were not on a good path and we were having meetings where we went we are deviating so much from standard we're basically trying to make the system do something that it really wasn't designed for and there there were certain design principles um that 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 we had to basically we had to bypass whole swathes of 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 standard functionality to Mm. make it work and it was getting worse and worse anyway the whole thing dragged on and we did we did raise this with with the, the the prime um implementer um but they um they went oh no it's all good they didn't really understand it um but they said it's all good um sap advice at the time was basically also yeah you know um in in the end it all fell into a heap it was all terrible and it was yeah not very good the point is in hindsight um probably it 
you know it was a difficult situation but probably it would have been good to um to to engage more directly um with representatives from from the client and to try and 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 stop the thing um before you know it went where it actually eventually went so mm -hmm. that was certainly something that um that i'm not proud of um but sometimes the circumstances are a problem but i still think we could have done more and, and obviously i could have done more so is that where your i guess your methodology around connecting with the business as much as you can do you think it, that that's where it's come from certainly that would have if not uh, if not where it comes from but at least significantly amplified it, <laughs> by all means yeah i think you got that exactly right excellent okay um i'm gonna ask one more um cast your mind back to your 21 year old self imagine you were sitting opposite the table having one of your whiskeys what, what advice would you give yourself don't be um don't be afraid and don't think that because you're a small town boy you have to stop in Hamburg, mm -hmm. which fortunately I didn't. Um, but but I think if I had if I had a chance back at 21, I would give myself a boost to try to do well even more than what I've done. I mean, you know, having said that, small town Hamburg, Sydney, I've I've I come from a very modest background to say the least, mm -hmm. but obviously if you if you um, if you are being emboldened by someone who encourages you at an at an earlier age, um, then that gives you an additional boost. So that's what I would do to myself. Excellent, Andre. Absolute pleasure today. Thank you for coming on. Really, Thank really you very that. much for having me. That was awesome. It was really good.